This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show on Faith Talk 1500. First, let me say this show is your show. That's why no matter what I discuss or which guests I interview, your input is valued. If it's in the news, on TV, or at the movies, whether political, social, economic, or whatever, at some point I'm talking about it on Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show, Monday through Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. on Faith Talk 1500. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real life Christian church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. And the title of this message is Jesus is Your Life. Without him, the storyline of the Bible disappears because Jesus Christ, I mean, the whole Bible points to him, reflects back on him, talks about him. So the whole storyline of the Bible disappears without Christ. Without him, my guilt remains and I have no hope of forgiveness. Think about that. Without him, I can't get to God the Father. There is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 2.5 Without him, heaven is gone and hell is my just reward. There is no other name, Acts 4.12, given among men, whereby we must be saved. Without him, I don't have a prayer. Without him, I have no joy. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you. You may think you have joy, but without him, you don't have real joy. Without him, I've lost my friend. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. I've lost my intimate friend. I've lost my guide without him. Follow me. Without him, I've lost my eternity. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. I'm just trying to make the point. Without Christ, your life is absolutely meaningless. Jesus Christ is the center of your life. So I call this message, Christ, your life, and he is. For you and me to have any kind of meaningful life, Jesus Christ must be our center. He must be our life. So today we look at Christ our life. Jesus Christ has to be the center of our life, and the question we need to ask is, is he the center of your life? So let me ask a question. There's a lot of doctrine in this message today, but let me ask a question. Who is Jesus Christ? Okay, I'm going to give you the one answer, the only one answer there is. Jesus Christ is both true God and true man in the same person at the same time. And most of the world will give you this. Oh, yeah, Jesus Christ is a true man, see? A historical character who lived at a point in time. And he was a good man. He was a nice guy. He had a lot of influence. He impacted history, but he wasn't God. That's how people look at Jesus Christ, a lot of people. Go back to John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word. That's a name for Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. That means that he was with God the Father at the creation of the world when he created time, space, and matter. In the beginning was the Word. Now look at this. And the Word was with God the Father, meaning he'd been with God the Father eternally, forever. Now what does that mean? That means he is the eternal, uncreated God, and the Word was God. He was with God the Father in the beginning. All that means is he is the uncreated God. Now stretch your minds. If he's uncreated, that means no one created him, right? No one created him. Philosophers call him the uncaused cause, okay? There is no one greater than him. He's the only God. Any other so-called God, in quotes, is a fake, a phony, and can't bless anybody. Now, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, what I'm saying is you got the real thing, baby, man. You're not on the wrong path. You is on the right track. I'm not kidding you, see? You're on the right track all the way to eternity. 
I look at John chapter 1, verse 3. Through him all things were made. Without him was nothing made that was made. And then in him was life, and the light was the light of men. That means he is the agent of creation. And that simply means that he spoke everything into being. Jesus Christ, that's why he's called the Word of God. See, the Father planned the whole creation. The Father planned everything. It's all the Father's plan, but Jesus Christ spoke it into being. He commanded everything that is into being. He commanded life into you. He caused you to be. See, that's why I say he is your life. It all means you have an authority in your life, the one and only true God. He's the uncreated God. There is no being greater than he. So he is the authority of your life. He is your life because he gave you life. He commanded you to be. Now, all this means you're not vacillating between two opinions. You have an authority in your life. You don't vacillate. You don't walk that tightrope, see. I remember this one lady who prided herself in being very forthright. And her philosophy of life was people need to know the truth about themselves, she'd say. And she'd tell a guy, I mean, the guy's standing right there. She, yeah, she'd look him in the eye and say, you're wishy-washy. You have no spine. He needs to hear that. She'd tell a lady. She said, if I were your husband, if I were your husband, I'd leave you in a heartbeat the way you talk to him. Or you need a diet or something like that. And she would justify this. I'm serious. She would justify it and say, people need that. I'm just helping them out. And she had literally no authority in her life, no authority whatsoever in her life. Because as I thought about that situation, Ephesians 4.29 came to mind, where the word of God says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up, that's what should come out of your mouth, according to their needs, that it may, now listen to this, minister grace to them. And this lady obviously wasn't doing that. Now, 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 listen, there is a time to deal with what you see in people, people that you know and love and interact with all the time, but that's done prayerfully and that's done in the spirit of love to build them up. See, but your authority, your authority is Jesus Christ who gave you what you need to do in his word and you live by that word. See, that's what it means that Christ is your life. He is the word. He's the authority in your life. He, 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 he is his word. He's his very word, see? And he gave you his word and you give that word time and you take time to drink that word in and let that word of God fill you up. And then when you have choices and you have decisions to make, you take the path his word directs you to take. And when you do that, you're following the authority in your life, and you know, you know, you know, you know you're going the right direction, see? You have an authority, Jesus Christ himself in your life. You're not wishy-washy. You know it's right. What's that worth? In the book of Galatians, chapter 2, this is a precious passage. This is beyond precious. Galatians, chapter 2, and this is verse 20. And God, the Holy Spirit, inspired the Apostle Paul to write this. He says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Listen to this. But Christ lives in me. We're talking about Christ, your life. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Listen, you are so identified with Christ that when he died, in a very real sense, you died too. Your identification with Jesus Christ, by faith in Jesus Christ, if in fact you're here today and you're a believer, is so, is, you are so one with him. I know this is a doctrinal fact, but man, drink this in, drink this in. When he was crucified, 
2,010 years ago, you, in a very real sense, were crucified with him. That's what this word of God says. Plumb the depths of that. And now he lives by his Holy Spirit. He lives his very life in you and through you. That's what this word of God says. And folks, I didn't write that. That's the word of God. He is your life. He's not only true man, that's what the world says, but he is true God and true man in the same person at the same time who came into the world to be our Savior. He is the authority of our life. Christ is your life. He can't be a peripheral issue outside the center. Not when you consider this. He can't be a peripheral issue when I consider Mark chapter 15. And I'm reading in verse 22. And they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. They offered him wine mixed with myrrh. He didn't take it. And they crucified him, dividing up his clothes, and they cast lots to see what each would get. The greatest event in history, and that's all it says. They crucified him. That's all it says. Then they divided up his clothes. It was about third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews, he claimed to be a king. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right, the other on his left, and those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so... You're going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Ha, come down from the cross and save yourself if you can rebuild a destroyed temple in three days. In the same way, the chief priest and the teacher of the law mocked him among themselves or behind his back, and he's hanging on the cross, and they're talking underneath the cross. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Ha, ha. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Oh, come down from the cross that we may see and believe in you. Well, if we see you get off that cross, we'll believe in you. And those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last that is the greatest event on your and my behalf ever. Everything comes back to that cross. Have you ever done a simple little thing like stretch the truth? There's a grain of truth in what you said, but we add all these details and we make it bigger and better and juicier than it really is. We pad the truth. Listen, I catch myself doing that and I work on that. And you think to yourself, wow, that's not such a big deal. I just stretch the truth a little bit. Do you know for that one sin, stretching the truth, God had every right to disown you? That one little sin, stretching the truth, God has every right to disown you and me because of that one itty-bitty sin, because he's holy, and every sin is an offense to a holy God and deserve just wrath. And add to that one sin every other sin, and God has every right to give us the full force of his just wrath, and he didn't do that. Here's what God the Father did. This may very well be one of the most important things you will ever hear in your life because it helps you understand how God the Father saved you. You have to picture, I'm talking about Christ your life. This whole, this whole message is about Christ. Here's what God the Father did instead of disowning us. You have two account books. You have like, like two ledgers. And here's Jesus' ledger. It, it, it's perfectly clean. There is... 
because he's holy, he's sinless. There is no, no sin in Jesus' account book. There's no sin on Jesus' ledger. Now here's your ledger and my ledger. I mean, it's just page after page after page after page after page after page after page of one sin, one act of rebellion against God. Now here's what God the Father did. He took our ledger, page after page after page of, of corrupt sin, rebellion against God, and he put that all in Jesus' ledger and charged that to Jesus' account. So now Jesus has his account book, his ledger, all full of black, dirty, corrupt, filthy sins, and your ledger is clean. I mean, you can just go down line by line by line by line, flip the pages. Not one sin charged against you, but they're all charged to his account. There's a big theological word for that called imputation. Your sins were imputed to Jesus Christ. You lay down your credit card and charge something, you impute that debt to your credit card or your credit account, see? And all that means we get his perfection, he gets our sin. Now, why is all that so important? Because Hebrews 12, 14 says, without holiness, you will never see the Lord. Unless you are perfectly holy, what does that mean? Without one sin charged to your account. If you're ever going to go to heaven, there, there is no way you are ever, 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 ever going to go to heaven if one sin, one itty-bitty sin, is charged to your account. God the Father has to be that because he's just and he's holy. So what did he do? He took all your sins and he charged them to the account of his sinless son, Jesus Christ. That, 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 that's right here in God's word. Listen, if the awful burden of your sin and my sin were never taken from you, we would spend forever. Would you consider forever? You would spend forever apart from the love, the mercy, and the glory of God in eternal hell. We would experience for that one sin, stretching the truth, and every sin added to that one sin, we would experience the very full and just wrath of God the Father. Deservedly so. But that's not what he did. He took the sins in your account and my account, and he charged them to Jesus Christ. He imputed them to Jesus Christ. And so Jesus now is left with an enormous, impossible debt that had to be paid. He's got this enormous, impossible debt that has to be paid. So what does he do? At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And the ninth hour, Jesus cried in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is, which is Aramaic, and it means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. Dear God, the agony, the agony. Would you think about this? He came into the world knowing this moment was coming. Listen, when you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, he got every sin you will ever sin, and we get his perfection, and that makes us acceptable to heaven because no one can enter heaven unless you're holy. So get rid of this nonsense that, you know, here's, here, here's the scales of justice. I'm, I'm not the best guy in the world, but I'm not the worst guy in the world either. So, you know, I'm going to heaven. Forget that. You've got to be holy to get into heaven. If there's one sin charged to your account, you're not going to heaven. But Christ took that sin when you place your faith in him. And here's the bottom line. We're going to heaven. I want to read you something that's so precious. Revelation 21.3, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling place of God is with men. Listen, and he, God, will live with them, and they will be his people. And God himself, I have that underlined, will be with them and be their God. And I'm adding forever. That's implied in the text. He will be their God forever. That's heaven, just to be with God forever. But I'm going to read the next verse. 
Verse 4 of Revelation 21. There will be, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, no mourning, no crying, no pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Would you, would you, see, that's yours. That, that, folks, that is yours when you trust in Jesus Christ. Listen, no more death, no mourning, no crying, no pain. That's all gone, and that's yours and mine forever because of Jesus Christ. Can you see why Christ is your life? And that means we live our lives with certain hopes. Folks, this is going to happen. It's, this is not a false or futile or ridiculous or nebulous hope. This is coming. I mean, people can give me all the bad news they want. You know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket and all that stuff. Non-believers can watch the news and say, woe is me. Not me. Not you. All around, there are bro- listen, all around you, there's broken, fearful, hopeless, wandering people. They're at work, they're in your family. And what you and me have to give those people is this hope. You are not part of the woe is me You want to tell people, Revelation 21.4 can be yours. No more tears, no mourning, no sorrow, no pain, none of that stuff. This can all be yours. Listen, you want to exude that hope. You want them to catch what you have. Are you a woe is me Folks, just get a hold of the love of God. The Father charged your sin. And, and folks, what is sin? Sin is, is open, cosmic rebellion against God. He charged every one of those sins to his son. Let's say there's a person who just does everything to grind you. Every time that guy can hurt you or talk about you or he or she can hurt you or talk about you or offend you or stir up your anger in any way, man, they do it. And so you, um, they're about to get a loan on their house. They have a house they like and they're going to go get to see if they can get a loan on the house. And you tell these people who do everything to grind you and upset you and infuriate you and irritate you, you tell them, I'll meet you at the bank. And so you go down the bank and the loan officer says, okay, 30-year loan, 1200 bucks a month. And you tell the loan officer, charge it to me. You sign all the papers and you say, I'll make the payments. And you give them the deed and the house is yours. It's kind of what Jesus did for us. That's the love he has for us. It's so far beyond that, though, I can't even put it into words. I just want to say you are so loved. The Father cares about every little thing in your, your, in your life. I mean, you are so precious to God the Father because of Jesus Christ. You are so cherished and so precious to God the Father because Jesus Christ, here's, a, here's another big word, reconciled you. He reconciled you to God the Father. And this reconciliation means to make friends between. And this is um, 2 Corinthians 5. This is verse 19. It says that God the Father was reconciling the world to himself in Jesus Christ, not counting men's sins against them, but counting them against him. He restored that broken relationship, broken because of your sin. And again, you are loved, you're cherished, you're adored by God Almighty. He wants you in heaven with him forever. I mean, can you believe all that? Because of Jesus Christ, I mean, he is your very life. 
behind everything, everything you and I do as believers, everything I do is the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ who reconciled me to God my Father and God my Father sees me, sees you and he, and, and, and that has meaning. Everything has meaning. There is nothing in your life that doesn't have meaning because as a believer in Jesus Christ, we do everything to the glory of God. I mean, there are no meaningless days. There's not a meaningless minute because of Jesus Christ. Folks, we live with purpose, but, but we need to think like that. We need to think Christ is my life. My Father and my Lord love me. They care. I'm going to heaven. And what you want to do because of all this is you want to rejoice his heart. I'm getting to something really important here because you know he sees everything. You know he knows your innermost thoughts. It is the desire of your heart to please him. Let's say you're by yourself and nobody's watching, but you know God's watching, he sees, he's ever present with you, and you are thinking his word. His word is in your blood. And who cares if nobody's watching? He is, and you know that. And you're thinking, acting, moving, living his will. I mean, what's my Lord's will in this? And the slightest thing, you're making your plans for your day, your week. What does my father, what, what, what is, where does my Lord want me to go? How does this whole thing, what I'm about to do, little or big, line up with his will? And you do it. You do it according to his will. Because he loves you, and you love him. Because he gave you certain hope. And that's what drives, drives your life. What I'm saying is you do his will because you want to. It comes down to that. Not because you have to. Not because you're afraid of him. You do it because you want to. It's a totally love relationship. What drives you is the love of Jesus Christ. Folks, he's your life. Without him, you're alive. But without him, you have no real life. That's 1 John chapter 1 in verse 4. In him was life. Christ is your life. You can come confidently, you can come confidently to God the Father. He made you acceptable and, and you can own, and I pray you own, Ephesians 4, 16. Ephesians 4, 16, where the writer to the Hebrews says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. Let us then approach that we can approach God, the, the, the throne of grace of the Father. Look at this, with confidence, with confidence, with confidence that we are approaching a loving Father because Jesus Christ opened that door. That's what I'm saying, man. I can define my whole life, ladies and gentlemen, as a life of answered prayer. I stand before you and I define my life as a life of nothing but answered prayer from a loving Father and a loving Savior. And we should all be saying, that's the story of my life. Look for God and see those answers and know it's God, not some coincidence. Christ is your life and my life. And when Christ is your life, you have a value system in place. God's word tells me, Ephesians chapter 2, there's a dash in the NIV, and then it says, it is by grace you have been saved. Now get this, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms. Now think about that. Those are past tense verbs. You've been saved by grace. He raised us up with Christ. Paul here is writing under the inspiration of God, and it's like it's a done deal. He was still alive, but it's as if he died and God already raised him up. That his salvation is that certainty. 
There's a lot of people say you can lose your salvation, but Paul said, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and right now as I live, it's as if I died and I've already been raised with Christ. Then he went on to say, I've already been seated with Christ in heaven at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. We are seated with him, okay? From the Bible's perspective, that's already happened, and folks, that establishes the value that I put on things and circumstances. Money is important insofar as I can live life and pay bills. It's far more important to use what God gives me so I can move and bless the kingdom of God and help other people. And the only reason I can even think like that is because Jesus Christ made me acceptable to the Father. And it's as if I'm already seated in heaven with him. And I'm already raised from the dead. It's far more important to me than than just about anything else in my life that the people God put in my life, beginning with my wife and kids and grandkids, have a love relationship with Jesus Christ, and I know they're going to heaven. I want to be certain of that. I don't want anybody in my life in hell. I don't want anybody in the world in hell, period. Uh, On the list of values, that's important. That's what's important. I want to be able to go through a tough time and people say, you're handling this with grace and dignity. And why can we do that? Because we're already in heaven, according to this word of God. This is a big lie. I mean, what do you cherish? What do you value? I cherish peace with God because I know my sins have been paid for and forgiven. And that's all Christ. I cherish that. I hope you cherish that. You don't have to beat yourself up with your sin. Value that. I put a high priority on keeping my word when I've given my word so I can reflect my Savior because Christ, the Father in Jesus Christ, fulfilled every promise he ever made me. And I want to reflect him. And to represent the Lord Jesus Christ to a searching, dying world is the privilege of your life and my life. And we're driven to do that because he is our life. That's our values. He brought life into our darkness. So today we've seen who we are and what we have in Jesus Christ. There's peripheral issues and there's central issues. And he is the center. May Jesus Christ be in your heart, on your mind. May he be the pillar, capital P, the ground, the strength of your life. May you go about your life so in love with Jesus that you talk to him all day and and people can see your lips moving and think you've lost it. May he fill your life and enrich you and bless you. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.